what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pop Culture Podcast. I never told you this before, so it's important we acknowledge this straight from the gate. Fashion's a passion of mine. You don't just go around dressed like this if if fashion is not one of your passions. Do you know what I mean? If you've never heard of Bruno Mars' album, you wouldn't understand this outfit. But one thing I realised over the last week was... You want to be a big deal in the world of celebrity, you gotta you gotta dress the part. And I saw a photo of Bruno Mars the other day and I thought, you know what, Jesse's got a hat that I could use. I've got sunglasses. It's uh, the more preposterous the outfit, the more the more successful you are before you I'm gonna wear a meat suit next week. I'm gonna come out here uh, dressed up as a, a big sirloin steak, a you know, a, a rack of lamb. I'm gonna come out here next week dressed up as a sausage. If you don't understand fashion, you're not going to get it. If you think this looks silly, obviously fashion's not a passion of yours. But we're all built differently. It's just different horses for different courses. And uh, and this week, the, the horse for the course is 1960s, I'm going to church. That's the look that I'm going for. Because like most celebrities say, when they're asked the question, what is it you're trying to, what is it you're trying to prove? Who is it you're trying to dress like? Who is it you're wearing? I always say, 1954, Baptist Church, United States, glary day. And so people, I'm sure I'm going to cop hate for this outfit. Because that's what fashion does. People like me and Kanye, but we don't get too caught up with that kind of stuff though. I remember once I was talking to Kanye and I said, Hey Kanye, does it stress you out when people say, I don't like your style? And he goes, no. And I said, me either, bro. That's what we have in common. And he said, Pops, that's what I love about you, man. I said, Kanye, come, let's have a chat, man. How are you going? He said, I'm doing it tough. I said, well, let's talk, man. That's what I'm here for. Don't feel as though you've got to go through it by yourself is what I've always said to him. That's what I've always said to him. I remember just before he recorded his song called Jesus Walks, he, he called me and he goes, Tuss, does Jesus walk? I said, bro, yes. He goes, man, thank you, because I wanted to write a song about it, but I wasn't 100% sure. I said, that's what I'm here for, Khan. Or yay. A lot, of, a lot of people who don't know him well call him yay. His closest friends call him Khan. You have to be careful how fast you say it, though, because it sounds like it could quickly get confused for an insult. So, so when me and Khan hang out, you know, yeah, we, we cover some stuff is what I'm saying. Do you know what I mean? So, hey, have a look in the comments. I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of hate about this, but what I'm saying from the from the outset is, me and Lady Gaga don't get too caught up on that. If you got a new if you got a new outfit, if your wife's out for a couple of hours and she's left her hat on the bed, don't don't be embarrassed to put it on. If you bought some sunnies which you thought were men's sunnies and they turned out that they're females, but they suit the shape and size of your face, despite how feminine they appear, they they really just work well with with what it is you're bringing to the whack them on. If your mum bought you a cream shirt for your birthday, which was discounted from ninety to forty, ch- chuck it on for the pot is what I've always said. Chuck it. On. I got a call from Kanye the other day. He goes, bro, chuck it on. I said, hey, that's exactly what I'm gonna do. That's what he said. You got a, a, a passion for fashion. I said, hey. But that's uh, that's where we are. Jessie's out with Charlie today. She's uh, 
she's abandoned me. Uh, essentially, she's gone out with a friend for, for 24 hours and, and said no boys are allowed. So I'm not sure how to take that. But one thing that I have realized is I've got a whole heap of spare time in my day right now. There's there's more time in my day than I'd imagined. I, the last couple of months, I'd been started to think, man, like why why is my time management so poor? Why is it that I feel like I have no free time? All of a sudden, they've gone out for three hours. I've realized husband life, dad life takes up a whole lot of time. I'm not saying I don't want to do it. I'm not going to call her in the next 24 hours and say, don't come back, babe, because I've got so much time. Because she's got no reception where she is, so she wouldn't be able to answer. I wouldn't do it anyway. It's amazing how much free time I've had. I'm recording, it's 3 p.m. and I've got nothing else to do. I've got, I've got nothing else to do. I've got a podcast maybe tonight. Or maybe a friend coming up. You know you're bored when you shave your legs. A lot of you guys won't get that because, uh, you know, when you think about sophisticated fashion sense, a lot of things don't make sense to, to a lot of straight men. So you might hear that and go, wow, that's a little bit, uh, that's a little bit feminine, Tice. That's what a lot of people text me and say. They go, wow, that was feminine. I say, no, no. Well, I guess it is really, isn't it? Because technically, this is one thing that a friend caught up with me the other day. She, uh, uh, I caught up with her the other day and she said to me, there's a lot of societal expectations on men and women. And I said, I don't understand what you just said. And she goes, let me explain. I said, I don't, I don't want you to explain because it sounds so boring. And she said, let me explain. I said, I, no. Anyway, so as I was shaving my legs this morning, I thought this wouldn't fit into what it was that she was going to explain to me, was it? Because you can't go down the footy club, especially at community level, where where the main focus at community level football is, is just a good, having a little bit of social time with your friends, just catching up with your mates for a laugh. You can't rock up to the showers with shaved legs. I veeded the side of my, uh, uh, what's it called? It's like, you know, on the runway, if you've got a runway at the airport, you've got grass either side of the runway, and if you're not careful, that grass can get overgrown. I realized if, if my old boy's the run, runway, the grass either side, it was getting a little bit out of hand, and, you know, Jesse's left a lot of helpful stuff laying around today, so I've, uh, I've obviously adopted the hat, I found her Veet strips, and I thought, well, there's nothing else to do. I'm going to shave my legs, I'm going to Veet the side of my runway. Yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of analogies you could use when you're talking about your old boy and it being a runway. Things about takeoff. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different directions. But th- but this is what I've always said. This this podcast is about uh, this podcast is about education, sophistication, and and bringing people enlightenment. Essentially, that's what I that's what I'm here for. People often say, "What's the reason you do your podcast?" And I said, "Because uh, there's still people." That need to reach enlightenment. They said that's a you know that's a that's a really big that's a really big goal. And I said, is it? They often say they often say yeah, it is. And and you're not really you're not really anywhere near that goal because what you speak about on the podcast is actually the opposite of enlightenment. It actually is a you know even when I allocate an hour of my day just to entertainment, I consider whether or not what you're bringing to the table classes as entertainment or or just a waste of time. And and with that, I say hold hold up. That's that's really hurtful. But anyway, it's kind of a good feeling. Like, I don't want Jesse to get the wrong impression because she's not here and I'm happy. But but the truth is, it's, uh, I feel relaxed. I think it's because, I think it's because, uh, 
it's the dad life side of thing because my little man's a dad's boy he gets into he, he wants to be around me so I'll, I'll come up here and do a little bit of work in this office and and he'll come and knock on the door and, and just start crying out of no for, for no reason really and yelling and i can't i can't resist the cry so every 15 minutes of my day i'm interrupted I'll, I'll just start to get into the flow of what it is i need to do and he'll he'll cry and scream out dad i'll open the door and he, he you know he doesn't really want anything to do with me as much as to see my face so i'm not sure if i'm developing some kind of um i just don't want him to be too dependent on me so i wonder um, maybe i need to hold that off a little bit but this morning yeah it's a Every now and then you have these moments in your day, don't you, where you go, okay, well, you know, I've definitely got more time than what I realise. And today, midway through shaving my legs, I, I thought, okay, well, like how much time would Elon Musk spend sh shaving his legs? Because if you're buying Twitter, this is what I don't understand with, with really highly, uh, what do you call it? I guess it's productive, but it's a step above productive. You're not just you're not just doing things and doing things on a big scale. You're just doing things that are really hard to comprehend. Even doing like I went to a cafe. I skateboarded to a cafe before. Speaking of time, because uh, with a look like this, a look that I'm bringing to the table today. If you don't ride a skateboard, it's an embarrassment to you uh, and to the people associated with you. you. And and uh, you know the fact that I hesitated and stuttered over that sentence shows that I didn't really back it, doesn't it? Because you don't see a man with confidence trying to tell you a point and stutter through his point. Conor McGregor never got to the start line or, or got to the race. What do you call it? Like the the pre the pre fight interview and started going, "I'm going to kick you. I'm going to smash." Because it doesn't really give off a vibe of confidence. If Conor McGregor came up to me and started telling me about the fact he's going to smash me, I'd go, "Well, you've just increased my confidence. I'm not sure why it is you're so hesitant to." To commit to that statement because you're a highly trained highly qualified fighter but anyway i uh I, i've deviated from my point i skateboarded down to the cafe before and i was thinking about the fact that you know elon musk has just bought twitter i think it's 60 billion aussie dollars maybe 40 billion us and i was sitting at the cafe thinking should i get a second oat milk flat white or or should i be responsible with my money and and just get the one and that was a moment, just that question as it came through my head. I thought, oh, well, me and, me and Elon are operating on different levels, aren't we? Especially when it comes to money. Like, yeah, sure, he might, he might have to go over the numbers and crunch the numbers when it comes to whether or not to purchase Twitter. But I, I personally think when it comes to a $4 oat milk flat white, he's not crunching the numbers so much. So you've just, I don't know, comparison is a thief of joy, isn't it? But, but in that moment, I thought, wow, I'm a long way off being able to purchase Twitter. I'm along because if you're still if you're still unsure about whether or not to buy an oat milk flat white number two, I mean your total value for the day is only eight dollars really, eight fifty if the cafe is a little bit expensive. I went to a cafe a few years ago though they they charged me uh I want to make sure I tell you the right thing, they charged me twelve dollars for an almond milk cappuccino. That's a true story. I'm not I'm just not making up stuff here to to try and entertain you. It was a it was in a really wanky part of Melbourne. And I ordered the I ordered the almond milk flat white, and I said, "Hey, I, okay, that's that's what I want." I went to pay for it at the end. They said it's sixteen dollars. I said, "Oh no, my, my wife just had a standard latte. I had an almond milk flat white, so I think what you meant to say is eight. They said, "No, no, we we make that almond milk here." I said, I, "Yeah, that's really interesting that you do." But how much does my coffee cost? They said no. We it's expensive because we make it here. I said, well, what? Why don't you? Why are you making it here? How much was it? They said it's it's twelve dollars. I said that's preposterous in its entirety. 
she said, can you can you say that again? I, I feel like the word you just used was a little too much for the situation we've found ourselves in. I said, it's preposterous in its entirety. The fact that you're charging me $12, that's too much for an oat milk flat white or an almond milk flat white. She said, do you, do you know the process of, of what it takes to create almond milk flat white? I said, not at all. And I, I couldn't have less interest in another topic. Like there, there's no topic in my life that I'm less interested in than an almond milk flat white production. I don't care where the bean's from. I don't care who you're supporting in making this coffee. I don't I don't care how long it took you to make. I just want a, a reasonably priced coffee. I've never been there since. That was 2015. That's when the average coffee was probably gone for $3.50 here in Melbourne. Aussie, obviously. It's just an embarrassment. I just didn't know what to do. I didn't want to pay, but I was in the situation where I was like, well, what do I do? Because I've drank it. I just think those kind of orders should come with a warning. If, if an order like that doesn't come with a warning that this is a ridiculously overpriced coffee, you shouldn't have to pay. If you, if you don't get a warning when you're spending 12 bucks on what should be three bucks to say, hey, just a heads up, this is gonna be 300% more than your average coffee. I feel as though there should be a little bit of room for discussion, but I hate those kind of moments where you get yourself all caught out because you, 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 know, you just didn't do the proper research before the, uh, before the time came around for payment. I went to Officeworks the other day because uh, I wanted to print out a book that a, a mate sent me a PDF of a book, but it's 300 pages long. And the book to buy is $100. So I thought, well, I'm not going to spend $100 to buy it if I can get it printed out for, it turned out to be $30, which was reasonable value. But first of all, the ladies at Officeworks, they were having a good chat. It was weird as well. I was telling my wife this over breakfast yesterday morning, which is a a strange conversation to have. The the chick at Officeworks down there in Trelgan, she was, she was, she had an interesting look about it. Like I, uh, she had like a little bit of a nerdy look. She looked a bit, a little bit nervous. She had the thick glasses on, but she had like a, she kind of had a pretty smile. When she smiled, her whole face would light up, and I thought, hey, that's that's sort of nice. And then I started to get confused because at first glimpse, I was thinking, okay, she's not that attractive. But the more she smiled, the more I thought, now I'm just, I'm really, really confused. And I thought in that situation, I thought, oh, I'm a good looking man. She's probably intimidated to talk to me. And then for whatever reason, I'm not a, that's an arrogant thing to say, isn't it? But that's the truth. That's what went through my head. I thought this chick probably thinks I'm good looking. She's a little bit nervous because she's a little bit nerdy, hasn't been around my type. And then every now and then a person like that, they'll say something and make you realize that whatever you were thinking, they were thinking was completely wrong. Because she said to me, when my order was ready, she goes, hey, mate. And there's something about the word mate uh, coming from a female, which is, uh, I don't know, it, it's a strange kind of situation to, to find yourself in. Because I reckon a guy, when a guy says, hey, mate, a lot of the time here in Australia, it's a term of endearment. But there's a fine line between a term of endearment and patronizing. Like if you say the word mate in the wrong, in the wrong tone, it can sound quite patronizing. I feel like bud done on, a, done on any level really is a, is a difficult thing to, to get, get away with. One of my best mates says the word bud. He always calls me bud. He's the one bloke that even though I know him quite well, he gets away with it. But at the back of my mind, I'm like, you, you arrogant bastard. I'm friends with an arrogant bastard is what I often think. And she said to me, hey, mate, and all of a sudden I thought, oh, wow. The level of confidence that she's just thrown out of me, it doesn't match the look that she's giving off. And, and I started to think, okay, well, I think what's happened here is she's actually putting out a, a look just to throw me off a little bit. She's putting, a, she's putting out a look which suggests a lack of confidence 
But then when it comes to the uh, when it comes to the way she expresses herself through her voice, she's she's got this weird level of confidence, and it just it really threw me off guard. But I kind of liked. It. I said to Jesse, I go, babe, like, help me understand what's just going on here because this is the same thing. I'm uh, I'm sort of attracted to to my wife for the same reason, the same kind of thing. She gives off this. I think if she's not careful, she, she Jesse, this is she gives off a really cold vibe sometimes. She's a very she's straight face. She's got a resting bitch face. Is is exactly what it is. I remember the first time I met her, I thought, like, initial impressions. You see my wife and you go, oh, far out, Tyson's done well. And then you talk to her and you go, oh, well, she's got the confidence to match it. Like, there's a little bit of, if you don't know her, it can be perceived as arrogance. It can be, she's very confident, which I like. She's very confident. But there's something about that confidence in a girl. It just, I don't know, it makes me a little bit, I don't know, I just got a little bit nervous. I was at office works just wait, waiting 40 minutes for my, for, my, uh, for my book to get printed as well, just quietly, which was... You know, it was frustrating, but I came out too soft at the start. She goes, it might take a while for that order. I go, hey, you know what? Take your time. And she goes, oh, really? Okay. And the fact that she had to clarify that I'd given her permission to take her time was was probably a sign that uh, that it was going to be a slow process. I think just after I handed it in, the girl behind the counter, she went off for a lunch break, which was fine. Like She went off for a little lunch break. She came back half an hour later. When she came back, she said to me, oh, did you... Did your email come through? Because I had to email the drive through I thought that's a relaxed customer service approach, isn't it? You've just taken a half an hour lunch break and you've come back to see the customer you've just spoken to before your lunch break. And it's now that you clarify that I've actually got my email sent through. What a what a terrible customer service role. And that's coming from a bloke who used to work in hospitality and often forgot people's meals. But anyway, this is the book that I got. And and I wanted to get your, your opinion on this because she gave it to me like it was nothing. But have a look at the binding on the side of this. The binding of the book's too big for the book. And I was too embarrassed. To, I want to have this book on my shelf for a little while now, but it's an embarrassment because you can't have a book like this on your shelf with binding. I'm going to get, that's about an inch and a half round, that binding. I'm talking just like the, uh, is it the, the diameter which goes across the middle? From side to side, that's an inch and a half. And she gave it to me and she goes, there's your book, have a good day. And I thought, well, we've got to at least acknowledge the fact that this looks silly because it, I'm, embarrassed, I'm embarrassed to be holding this right now. And then do you ever get into that situation where you're embarrassed to be in a particular situation, but you've sort of got to act a little bit confident just to be able to make it, you know, a little bit easier for you to get through but it was just it was just a strange experience you know when people have found themselves in a in a very weird kind of environment for a long period of time and that environment becomes the norm i think this chick's just handed out so many books with oversized binding and had people like me who don't comment on it because they're embarrassed to because who really cares about the binding of your book isn't that true and so I got out to the car, so embarrassed. I took it inside and Jessie looked at me. She's like, what is that? Like, what an embarrassment to have to hold that. I thought, okay, I thought I was overthinking it. No wonder people are obsessed with Audible. Isn't that right? Like, you, you, never, you never get binding that big on Audible because on Audible, it's just, well, you know, the description's in the name. It's, it's Audible. Someone reads it to you. The thing with Audible, it's a, it's a weird kind of situation. I think Audible's a difficult one to navigate because do you ever have a conversation with someone who just dominates the conversation? They absolutely dominate the conversation and the more they talk, the more you think, dude, shut up. How are you still talking? Sorry, I'm coming at you with a little bit of aggression today. I just feel relaxed as well, so I'm not sure what that's about. 
Sorry if that was too high pace for you, too high energy, too intense. Sorry to anyone who I've offended with the, uh, you know, who may be, may be now thinking, crap, is he talking about me when I get onto my rants? Because some people love to talk and they don't like to ask questions. Have you noticed that? Like, actually, I think I'm that guy. I think I'm that guy. In fact, as I talk about this, the very point that I'm making is super ironic because let me tell you my point first and then and then you'll see the irony in the statement. So so here's the thing I have trouble with. Anyone who just rants and rants and rants, you see the irony starting to come out. I'm embarrassed. I've told you that. I'm embarrassed. I acknowledge what's happening. Let's all move through this together. But you can't be rude and say, just stop talking, can you? And you don't know a lot of the time if what they're talking about is is true. I used to work with a bloke who had so much confidence about everything he said. And then one day he said to me, he was talking about a player who got drafted from the distance running world to the uh, to the AFL world. And he said to me, uh, he goes, oh, Mark Litzav, yeah, he used to be a 5,000-meter steeplechaser. And he said it with such confidence, despite the fact he knew that distance running was my scene there. I thought, ah, oh, okay, well, he's... He said that with so much confidence, but what he doesn't realize is I know that he's wrong with this particular one. And then all of a sudden, it has an asterisk. It forces you to put an asterisk next to everything that that person ever says again. Because if they're always talking with that kind of confidence, how do you know How do you know that everything else that they're so confident about is actually accurate? And that's my problem with Audible, because so often, despite the fact it's in the name of the game, the more the person is in my headphones just talking and talking, after a while I go, are you kidding? You're still talking. This guy's still talking. I've told that to a couple of friends. It's the whole point of Audible, mate. Like, you don't like people just ranting at you. Don't buy their book or just read it yourself. That's a very fair point. In fact, it it's even more fair now I say it out loud. I'm embarrassed that I've just acknowledged it to you. But, but that's the thing. I'd much rather be honest with you guys. I'd much rather be honest with you guys about where I'm at. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought this was interesting. Just before I uh, just before I came in here to record this, I'd been out. I'd been out of my house for forty minutes, probably an hour and a half. Let's be honest. All right, I was out of the house for an hour and a half. I checked the mailbox before I go. That before I left, I, I went out for a little skateboard, one oat milk flat white. I got home and I had I had four four separate pamphlets here in my in my uh, what's it called? Where they put the uh, where do you put the pamphlets? The letterbox. <laughs> I don't even want to bore you with this because this is boring information. But I just thought, look, I got two of the same because we got the we got the Australian election coming up here at the end of May. Uh, so these guys are coming out saying, hey, it's not going to be easy under Albanese. And then I got the same one. You got to you got to use your resources a little bit more wisely. You can't just be giving me the same the same things. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and then. And then I thought this slogan was a little bit late, a little bit lazy. Labor will put the care back into aged care. I don't know who gets the marketing roles for these political campaigns, but I just feel like that's a really terrible slogan. Like Labor will put the care back into aged care. Like th- that suggests to me that it's just at the moment it's just called aged. I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to they're trying to say that they care, but I don't know. It's just a hard one to it's a hard one to win. It's so easy to lie as well. You can just say words. That's a good thing about politics. You can just say words. This one, I'm not even going to look into because as you can see, anyone who anyone who's putting like an eight-part table into my letterbox and expecting me to actually read through it, they've they've lost my vote, unfortunately. If I knew who if I knew who actually uh, interested in fairness for refugees, people seeking safety, need more information to help order. Nah, I'm interested in neither of those things. As I always say, and as Gandhi used to say, let those in suffering 
fend for themselves. That's what he used to say. It's not a quote that I agreed with, but it just seems to fit there. I think that one was from the Greens, but I'm not sure. It just it's got a little bit of year six. It's got a little bit of year six admin work put over it. Um, yeah, I honestly, you can't it, choose fairness and decency. That's what it says. It, it doesn't tell you anything about who it's from. The mechanic who fixes your car, hairdresser who gives you a new hairstyle, tradies who renovate your bathroom. I don't know who this is for. Anyway, I'm so bored with that talk that I can't believe it even made... I can't believe it. I, I even gave it a, a minute to talk about in this particular thing. A guy who looks this good when he's recording a podcast. Have you ever seen a person with a hat like this and sunglasses like this ever make sense when they're talking about politics? I haven't. I've seen some rock stars, though, which is the category that I fit in to speak about the importance of music on the soul of humanity, and that's a that's a point I come bearing. That's a that's a point I come sharing to you. If I could sing, if I could play music, I would uh, I would do that right now. But unfortunately, I can't. I like the ability to do both of those things. I think the voice one is is maybe genetic. Uh, the the guitar one is just through lack of ability. It's just through lack of ability, but. Yeah, I got home late last night. We got home from, we were down in Gippsland for the last three nights. Took my little boy down there to, to visit his nan. Got home, here's the thing, he's at an age now where he's uh, he's getting a little bit more difficult to settle. Last night we got home, it must have been, I think 9.30 we rocked up. And then for whatever reason, he was he was out of it in the car. We got home, he's never been more excited to get home. So we thought, oh, we'll put him into bed, we'll let him settle, we'll let him put his feet up, we'll let him, he'll find it. Uh, two hours later, this guy's gone, he, he's riding his motorbike around our house. He's got like this little toy mo- motorbike. He's gone up and down the hallways, banging on walls, banging on doors. I gave him the midnight bath, put him back to bed. Thank God he fell asleep, but not 100% sure what the purpose of that story was, but it was... Uh just an experience I went through last night it was something that I you know I just felt the the need to share with you I feel like the look that I'm giving off right now is uh, is much like this guy called uh, I think it's Paco Paco Lucia you ever heard of Paco Lucia he's Portuguese or he's I think he's Portuguese or Spanish this is my thinking music. Whenever I, uh, whenever I just got to focus for an hour or so, I'll chuck this guy on. And I'll just get my work done. I feel like an 80-year-old man, and it's beautiful. It's the kind of music I wish I could play. My wife always comes in and goes, babe, what, what is this music? I go, sweetie, it's Paco Lucia. She goes, can you turn it off? I said, you've got no appreciation for culture. Said, I feel like I'm in an elevator. I said, babe, that's a cool elevator to be in. She goes, it's not a cool elevator to be in. All elevators are the same. I said, it's not true. Some are smaller, some are bigger. Anyway. 100% going to be done for copyright on today's episode of the podcast, but I'll sacrifice a couple of laws. I'll, I'll break a couple of rules and regulation to give you guys the uh, the latest I don't want you guys to be unentertained in your car. And if that means I've got to bring out a Paco Lucia song, you know, just to make my point, that's that's exactly what I'll do. I went through a phase during the first lockdown, actually, where I started to uh, I started to work on my guitar skills a little bit. And at that time, I was actually, uh, I was working as a school teacher 
and we had gone into lockdown and everyone was talking about how stressful it was. And I was teaching religious education to from preps to year fives. And I mean, that that's a podcast topic that we could go over in itself because I wasn't a qualified man for the job, I don't think. I remember the first lesson I was unorganized. I went into a year five class and, and I showed them a school of life video that I hadn't I haven't vetted. I thought this would be good just to get the conversation flowing and for whatever reason it was the it was the most highly offensive school of life video that I'd ever heard. There were so many F words, there was an S word, two kids in the back of the room were crying. One kid was like, I'm gonna tell my mum. The vice principal of the school pulled me aside, I said, Tice, what happened in that class? I said, I don't want to talk about it. She said, You have to. And anyway, lockdown came, and, and for whatever reason, uh, religious education was was probably the least on, on anybody's mind, and uh, teachers were coming into the school meetings going how incredibly stressed they were, how uh, how frustrating this situation was, and they said, all right, let's just, let's just boil it down a little bit. What's everyone been doing? And some people, I've just been trying to meditate my way through it. Some people, like, I've just been trying to, you know, finish by 7 p.m., how are you handling the differences? It got to me and I said, I've been learning how to play Spanish guitar. They said, wait, what? You're supposed to be stressed twice. We're all stressed. You can't be telling you to try to learn how to, how to play Spanish guitar. I said, I didn't want to lie to you guys. They said, lie twice. Because in the name of people feeling as though their stress levels are justified, we can't have you saying you played Spanish guitar. But Spanish guitar is exactly what I was doing. But it's it's quite a commitment. You want to play Spanish guitar well, you, you have to learn the, the real basics of, of how to play guitar before you start getting into it. So it was it was quite frustrating. I started playing that Malaguena. I wish I had the guitar in here right now for you. I would, uh, you know what? No, nah, I was going to run upstairs and get it, but I just think that's that's quite that's quite boring viewing just to sit here and listen to silence for, for 30 seconds as I run upstairs to, to get my wife's guitar. But the Malaguena, I started playing that because there's a, there's a YouTube channel by a bloke from, what's it called? It's called Guitar, I think it's called Guitar Moves. Guitar Moves, Keith Richards. And Keith Richards talks about when he was a young guy, his grandfather used to have like this acoustic guitar up on the wall of his house. And, and he used to always say, hey, do you mind if I, uh, hey, granddad, do you mind if I get that down so I can play it? And the granddad would pass it to him and he said, uh, no, no, the granddad would pass him another guitar and say, if you can play the Malaguena on this guitar, I'll get you that guitar. And so Keith Richards started playing the Malaguena. I thought, well, that's enough for me. If Keith Richards is playing the Malaguena, that's where I'll start. And I just realized as I talk about this, Keith Richards is, uh, is the man that I look like right now. Uh, slightly fewer wrinkles, but they're coming soon. A lot less drugs in my system. I've never really been a... I've never really experimented much with drugs at all. Like Very little. Very little. I smoked marijuana on my 30th birthday, which was it was, a, it was a strange gift from my wife, I'm going to be honest. She packed two joints into an envelope, uh, got my most musical friend over to my house and, and told me to go and enjoy these joints with him in the backyard. I'll never forget because uh, as we started smoking the joints, all of a sudden I felt my heart rate. I, I wasn't sure if my heart rate was picking up or my awareness of my heart rate was, was increasing. But either way, I was convinced I was having a heart attack. So people had warned me about the fact that... Um, they warned me about the fact that 
that paranoia is definitely a big problem when you start smoking marijuana if you if you're relatively new to it and and I I was convinced in that stage that I wasn't actually experiencing paranoia but I was in a mild heart attack which I guess if you boil that down it's essentially that's a, quite a high state of of paranoia isn't it just to be able to convince yourself that you're having a heart attack that's that's paranoia but it was embarrassing I remember there was a little bird in a bush I reckon this bird was 15 kilometers away I could barely hear it and uh after the first joint, I'm not sure. I think I went a little bit too easy, a little bit too conservatively. But the second one, I I went hard. I reckon uh, I'm not sure what the what the official name for this is, but I took such a breath, such a drag that I reckon half the joint actually disappeared. I held my breath for about a minute and a half, and then all of a sudden, I just felt I was in a different space. I was in a different world. I'll never forget. I, I had an appreciation for science. I, I honestly remember sitting there with my friend Mitch in the backyard, just thinking about how much I could go back to, like how much I'd love to go back to university and uh, or, or high school for that matter and just learn about biology because I could see I could see these different cells in my mind and the cells in my mind they were colorful and they were forming like a fetus shape and I remember like doing a little bit of a scan through my mind trying to find out what was there and I, I said to my mate I go it's, it's really interesting because right now I can literally see the positive vibes in my mind he said Tyus that's a very strange comment to make I said it is and he said, can you hear that bird? I said, the one 15 kilometers away. He goes, I think it's in the tree next to us, but it sounds as though it's distant. I said, I can hear it very clearly. And anyway, Jesse was there laughing because I was embarrassed about the way that I was acting. I was, uh, you know, I was just fascinated by the experience that I was having. And I was also, I also scared myself thinking, oh no, what if I never get unstoned? Like, what if my new norm is this stone state? I remember thinking that before I got drunk for the first time as well. I was thinking, what if for whatever reason, when my body consumes this alcohol, consumes this plant, uh, what if for whatever reason it, it triggers something and for the rest of my life, I believe I'm a Jack Russell. I don't know why I said Jack Russell, but I just know some people have unique and interesting experiences when they're smoking marijuana. That was mine. I remember I, but before we went inside, my, my neighbor, so we had a shared backyard. There was a group, we were in a group of apartments, had a shared backyard with uh, the lady who downstairs, I heard her have an orgasm once and she sounded like, a, she actually sounded like, I, I know I just said Jack Russell before, she sounded like an angry Jack Russell. And my wife and I were upstairs, just, uh, we could hear her through, through the floorboards. We were going, this is uncomfortable. Do you know what I mean? This is very uncomfortable. And then uh, I had to make eye contact with her the next day. I said, oh, did you have a good night? And she goes, oh, very good. I was like, oh, too much information, just in the tone of your voice. And um, anyway, so she came out to us, obviously, because she could. Uh, a man who dresses like I'm dressed right now has clearly smoked a few joints in his time is all I'm saying. Doesn't matter if it's the first time he's dressed like this. You can you can judge a book by its cover in that regards. And this lady came out to us and she said, hey, boys, what are you doing? And I was like, oh. I just became convinced that I was about to get arrested because I'd never been involved in the drug scene before. I've never been involved in the drug scene before. And for me, I may as well have been doing just like impure heroin based on uh, based on how I felt when I when I saw this lady come out to her. She goes, what are you doing? I said, like, nothing, not doing anything. Nothing. There's nothing to see here. I didn't, but we, uh, we sort of started packing up shop a little bit and we had to walk past her to get back upstairs into my apartment where we went to listen to some Matt Corby because what else would a stoner listen to? That's what I was that night. I was a self-professed stoner. And uh, so she said to us, she's like, oh, what are you guys up to tomorrow? And I was so in a trance of seeing this. Uh, I'm not sure if, if that's a normal experience when you smoke. Maybe, I think, uh, who who's that bloke? The uh, blanked on his name. Hmm. 
what's the guy's name who he's very well known for he's like a philosophical drug user he died years ago now i want to say it's douglas Anyway, I've completely blanked on his name. I'm sorry for those of you who are passionate about the uh, the world of the the effects that drugs can have on your system. I'm sure you'll be able to let me know who he is. But I, uh, why did I even go into that rant? See, I feel like I'm stoned right now based on the fact I'm I'm following rabbit hole after rabbit hole, and and now I've confused myself. Essentially, what I wanted to tell you was she asked a simple question. I paused for such a long period of time that my friend looked at me and goes, Tyus, she's asked you a question. And I didn't know how to respond. I was, I, was, I was too busy focused on this biology, this biology, this atomized baby, which had taken different colors in my mind to, to know how to respond to what it was she was asking. So I just let the silence go. And I said, I just laughed and said, I'll see you later because I didn't know what else to say. I remember waking up at about 5 a.m. the following morning, still feeling a little residue from what it was that we had been through the night before. But I mean, the most of the effects had pretty had pretty clearly passed by that phase. But there was still an element. There was still a little bit of I'm stoned about it. And I was thinking, man, like what a what a horrible. Have you heard those? Have you heard the experience of people who have they've, they've like flicked a switch in their brain for the rest of their life after a bad trip, they think they're an orange. I'm not sure if that's just propaganda by like the, the US government back in the 60s when you know they were trying to do their big drug run, um, or not drug run, but like the big ban on drugs and uh, it just talk about how, how terrible it was for everyone. Obviously, do you know, because there, there's certain things that you don't want people to be able to, you, you don't want a whole society of stoners walking around, do you? Because not much is gonna get done. If everyone's just walking around seeing like this baby which is made of colorful atoms in their mind, good luck trying to record a quality podcast like this. It just doesn't happen. Anyway. That was the last time I tried marijuana as well. I had a friend just on the weekend call me and said he went away on a boys' retreat and they uh, they, they tried mushrooms. And, and for me, for whatever reason, it's still I still find it really interesting. I still find it quite naughty. My friend calls me and says I tried mushrooms. And I go, <laughs> I, go I wish I was cooler than that. Like, I really wish that my first response wasn't to giggle because he's been a little bit naughty. I wish, I said to, I think I think that's one one thing that I will try very soon, though. Like, maybe not very soon. I want to make sure I'm in the right headspace for it and I've got some good friends around. But it's one I'm fascinated by because it's obviously, it's unprocessed. Hopefully, like, I want to try and find someone who can provide it on a real organic scale. I want to try and find the real healthy version of, of the mushroom if it is. I don't want one, you know, you don't want pesticides on it, just like you don't want it on your grapes. You've got to wash that stuff. I'm not sure how easy it washes out of like a fungi though. Surely, I always think it just gets stuck in that little brown stuff on the, uh, you know, if you flip a mushroom upside down, you'll see it there. Anyway, I've heard some really good experiences and some really strange experiences of people on mushrooms. I saw Theo Vaughn, he, uh, a US comedian, I saw him do a, a 30 minute set at the improv and apparently he was high on mushrooms. It's a famous set. I was 15 minutes into that the other day when my little boy woke up, so I didn't get a chance to watch the rest of it, but I'm gonna make sure I, I go and check that out. It's a big weekend here uh, over, oh, it was a big weekend in Australia. Obviously, we had the long weekend for, for Anzac Day, celebrating 107 years since uh, since the, the breakout of the old World War One. looking at the vets, looking at the stuff they've done for us. Stop, celebrate, pause, you know, reflect. We took Charlie down to the the march on, on, was it Sunday morning? And we tried to follow the march and uh, we got 100 meters into the march and Charlie had none of it. On this day where you're supposed to show your respect for 
you know, the, the, the people who have fought for your country, both past and present, my boy decided just to lay down on the ground. I picked him back up and asked him to walk, and, and for whatever reason, he was having a little stoner moment where he was just laying on the road looking up at the clouds. Highly embarrassing because it took away from... Uh, it took away from the reason that we were there. A lot of the uh, a lot of the veterans, it's their it's their only time to come out and you know be celebrated for what it was that they did. But no one can no one can resist a cute baby laying in the middle of a road which has been closed temporarily to allow for the foot traffic just sitting there looking up at the ceiling. And by the ceiling, I mean the sky. That's a that's a man on mushrooms talk. Because hey, is it a ceiling? Is there a ceiling? That's the question that nobody's answered. Sure, it goes on infinitely and forever, but surely somewhere, surely somewhere there's a roof, isn't there? Otherwise, where would the light go? Where would the light be? Can't just flick that on and off if it's... That point doesn't stand up, does it? That was a silly point to make. Anyway, one of the best parts of... Uh, one of the best parts of... Uh, the, the long weekend here in Australia is that we have a we have a big football match. The the AFL put on a show between Collingwood and the Essendon Football Club. Always a, a highly celebrated match between two shit football clubs. And and yesterday was no exception. I'm so I'm a Carlton supporter. So you got to you need to let comments like that slip because it's coming out of a good place and also a, an element of bitterness based on the fact that Collingwood have had a more successful past two decades than what we have. Bombers have been around about the mark, but I don't have to like everyone. Jack Ginevan was the standout, wasn't he? If you go watch, go type in Jack Ginevan to YouTube. It's clearly just going to bring up highlights from his game yesterday. He was a standout. He's the kind of guy I like. It's like Eminem from 1999's decided to grow his hair out a little bit longer, get it bleached, forget about the roots, and, and just turn it up a little bit. He just put on a show. And my favorite part of it is I, I love people who just look arrogant. This guy just looks arrogant, but he also looks lovely. He's like a young kid, but he's got some swagger. A young kid with a little bit of pep in his step. And uh, mate, he went out, and I think he kicked five goals one or five goals two. And and highlight of the weekend, highlight of the weekend was he was standing on the boundary, and and just some big ugly bomber supporters were leaning over the fence trying to bang uh, like bang on about how he's going to miss it, bang on about how he's a shit footballer. You could tell by the 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 way their mouth was moving. There was plenty of f bombs going around, and I thought, hey, Jack Ginevan. I know you've had your hair cut. It's your ninth game. You've bleached it blonde. You've perhaps attracted a little more attention to what you're anti than what you're anticipating. Now these guys really don't like you because you're playing against their team. And he goes around. He It was a beautiful kick. Just go watch it. I don't know if he's a natural left footer, but he kicked it on his left, came around, banged straight through the middle, and he turned around and just gave the audience a big shush. Just a big shush. And and the, the the four men in the front row with their big fat man tits, they didn't know they didn't know what to do. They looked like they were about to have an aneurysm. I'm pretty sure there was a, a fairly wild female in there as well, using words that no female should use at the football. And it was just it was really interesting just to see how passionate these particular supporters were about seeing Jack Ginevan just not get that goal. And Jack Ginevan, big shout out to you. I hope you're spending plenty of time Googling yourself today because, man, there's going to be plenty of results that come up that I would love to watch. If I was you today, I would have, you know, I wouldn't have left my bedroom because I would have been spending so much time just watching highlights of my game from yesterday that there just wouldn't have been no time left. There would have been no time in the day left for anything else. But it's just beautiful. I love seeing. I love seeing those guys in a, a, just in a breakthrough. You want to see people who are young do really good things, and if it upsets people along the way, even better. And for whatever reason, some people in Australia, they've got nothing more exciting or no better place to vet their emotions, to let their emotions and their dissatisfaction with the way that life's worked out for them uh, than at the football. 
It's an excuse to yell. You're allowed to go there. You can scream out aggression. You can scream out abuse. Uh, sometimes, unless you're a 13-year-old girl uh, trying to speak to Adam Goods, you know what I mean? He took that one personally, and that's a controversial subject, but she was 13. Surely she didn't Surely she didn't fully know what it was she was talking about, did she? Or am I just a, I don't know, am I a casual racist? I'm not meaning to be. I loved Adam Goods as a player. I just thought he copped it. I thought he was a little bit harsh that day, is, is all I'm saying. I thought he was a little bit harsh, which is a big call based on the fact that a 13-year-old girl said he looked like a gorilla, but it's weird. It's weird how you can compare a white person to a snowman. I built a snowman when we were at Yosemite a couple of years ago, and I told my wife it looked like her. I know. There's a lot of racial tension. There's a lot of racial history, though, isn't it? I don't want to get into that because it it's everywhere at the moment. That's not what the pop culture podcast is about. And also, I don't know what I'm talking about. Don't know what I'm talking about. All I know is that my friend Akwasi Osai Ozzy Tutu, whenever he gets up at comedy, he gives me shit about what I look like, and then when I get up and give him shit about what he looks like, the crowd goes awkwardly silent. It's an uncomfortable predicament to find yourself in because though your black friend knows you're just having banter with him, the rest of the audience, especially here in Melbourne, goes, oh, you're not allowed to say that. Only, only he's allowed to use that word. It's not the one you're thinking of. I would never use that. Not in public. No, I would never use it. Isn't that ridiculous? Like I'm, I'm, I'm editing, I'm editing what I'm saying just in case you're judging me really harshly. And you know, if you're at this point in the podcast, that's on you. You should have known that at this point in the podcast, this is how things are going to get. It's going to get a little bit wild. It's going to get a little bit loose. You ever seen a man dressed like this not get loose? That's what I'm trying to say. Me and Bruno Mars, whenever we hang out, we go, you know, I'd catch a grenade for. For those we love is is what I told him, and he wrote that down, put it in a song a couple of years back. Hmm. Got a page full of notes here. I'm just not sure which one to which one to jump to next. Do you see those two? Do you see the Red Bull pilots this morning or last night? A couple of Red Bull pilots decided that what they were going to do, rather than just enjoy their morning, was they were going to fly around in a stunt plane eject themselves from the stump plane and then and then as they as they eject themselves they were going to try and navigate their way into the other person's stump plane that's a, that's a difficult task to do isn't it like whenever there's a propeller involved and it's going at maximum speed you've only got a small area of success it's difficult it's difficult to understand why it is that that people would want to do this and I, i'm fairly confident in saying that's a boys game only I'm not saying women couldn't do it. I'm just saying it. I feel like it's suited to the average man a lot better than it's suited to the average woman. In saying that, you would never see me jumping from a plane into another plane. It's just not something on my bucket list. It's not something I'm interested in. I, I need to check my emails. You know, I've got to, I've got to clean up my office. You, you can't just be you can't just be running around. It's just a boy thing, isn't it? The reason I say that, last night down in Gippsland, my, my boy was climbing up onto our couch and he, he was just falling off onto his face on the floor. I said, hey, what are you doing? And my mum said, boys, boys will be boys, won't they? I said, well, yeah, but also, like, is, does this run deeper? What's happening here? What's going through two pilots' minds to think they need to do that? Like, what is it that they're trying to accomplish? I feel like people need to get really specific with their goals, especially because there's too many world records being set at the moment. Now, I'm sure if both of these guys were successful, they weren't successful. No one was killed. One of the guys managed to get into the other person's plane. I don't know how they did it. 
I don't know how they, credit to them, surely they're skinny. I don't understand. It just, it blows my mind that that was even a possibility. Or uh, even the fact that in a boardroom one day, two guys sat down and said, look, I've got an idea, Jack. The other one goes, Steve, what do you got for me? And he goes, well, mate, here's what I was thinking. You know how we fly planes? The other guy goes, yeah, mate. He goes, how about you get out of your plane, I'll get out of my plane, and then we'll fly each other's plane. He goes, well, why don't we just not get into each other's plane? Like, we won't get into our own plane. And then at the start, before we take off, we'll just we'll just try and fly the other person's plane. He goes, no, mate, what we'll do, we'll go at full speed, right? And, and we'll leave the propellers on. And then when we're in the air, what we'll do, rather than just trying to land the plane, we'll jump out of the plane. And then when we're in the air, the other one, like, you go into mine and I'll go into yours. And, and the fact that that was pitched and the other guy goes, mate, that is awesome. That is such a, that's a great idea. I will never understand. I'll just, I'll just never understand that. That's why I think it's important to set your goals clearly because otherwise you'll go off track. You know, as a 14 year old kid, I doubt that these two men ever said, my goal is to jump from a moving plane into my friend's moving plane and then land that moving plane successfully. I think what's happened is they've been so bogged down with the, I think there's so much on the internet these days that you have to do some fairly extreme things just to be considered a, a success. You know what I mean? I remember back in the day, if you just posted a video of a whoopee cushion on a public train and you put the camera on the person's face next to you, that video would get 5 million views. That same bloke who used to make those videos is now the bloke who's jumping out of a plane because it just never stops escalating, does it? If it never stops escalating... How are we going to do, like, I reckon in 10 years' time, Elon Musk is going to come out and go, all right, we've got these two blokes, they're going up to Mars in a rocket, but what they want to do is once they get 200 kilometers up into the air, they're going to jump from their rocket into the other rocket, and they're going to try not to get hit by the by the nose of the other rocket and also not get caught on fire by the tail of the other rocket. And people go, that'll get a few views. I just think we live in a culture now where views dictate the decisions that we make. Whatever happened to just being a, whatever happened to being responsible and just thinking about the things that we're doing for, you know, the risk that they posed, the the threat to our lives that they posed. Now, uh, because views, because views sort of dominate the decisions that we make, it's, uh, I don't know, I just think people are making decisions they shouldn't be making based on that. I watched a guy who, you know those people who they climb to the top of a crane, try and hold on the top, get a selfie, and then come down post it on their Instagram? I watched a bloke in China the other day hanging onto the side of a building, 25 stories high. He lost his grip and just fell. Some Someone still managed to go, oh, that'll get some views. That'll get some views. We'll post that. I know me mate would have been spewing about the fact he just fell to his death, but what he wouldn't have been spewing about is the fact that as he fell to his death, that view count was just going through the roof, mate. Like, if he gets 10 million, I'll, I'll call that even. Do you know, I honestly reckon his subscriber count would have made him happy with that. If he had known that through that video he was going to get 5,000 extra subscribers, 20 million hours of watch time, I reckon he would have, I reckon he would have, he probably would have done it. Yeah, it's funny. The competition's stiff to, to try and outdo now as well because you don't have to spend that long on YouTube until you come across a Mr. Beast who goes, all right, well, for, for uh, you know views right now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to recreate the entire Squid Games. And people go like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, you're going to recite it? He goes, no, I'm going to recreate it. And then at the end, I'm going to give a person half a million dollars. And then you've got a, then you've got a bloke who's new to YouTube going, well, I don't have a budget. What I'm going to do... I'm going to flip a coin. If the person gets it right, I'll give them five bucks. 
And then they're bankrupt if a person gets it right five times in a row. They have to close down their YouTube channel. But it just, <laughs> there has to be limits. Mr. Beast is a good channel, though. Have you seen that one? I watched one the other day, and this guy, uh, he just bought a house. He bought a house, and then he put it up for sale for $1. said, you got a dollar? Come and, come and buy the house. And people didn't take him seriously because no one sells a house for a dollar. Mr. Beast does. I go on so many YouTube rabbit holes. It's been hard at the moment. There's been so many. There's been so much good content, hasn't there? There's been there's been a lot of good content coming out on YouTube these days. Did you see a lot of flight content? I've just told you about the Red Bull planes, the guys who are having a midlife crisis and decided that no longer do they want to be a doctor, but jump from each other's plane and land it. Hopefully, we also saw. We saw Mike Tyson beat the shit out of a bloke on a, on a flight the other day, which was, I look, apparently I heard that the bloke uh, that was, did you see this? There's a bloke sitting behind Mike Tyson, off his tits. I'm not 100% sure what drugs he was on, but he was on a lot of them. And, and you know, he just lost the ability to be able to reason through what he was doing. Now, if there's one bloke that you'd be happy to get the shit beaten out of you by, that makes sense. If there's one bloke you'd be happy to beat the shit out of you, it's Mike Tyson for sure. Just because of the just because of the stories, wasn't that the whole premise of the Hangover back in the day? Remember the movie The Hangover? Mike Tyson punches that guy in the head and he comes home and you gets to tell the story about Mike Tyson punching. The... That's a cool story. But I mean, you've got to be able to recover from that punch because otherwise, just like that bloke who fell from the, the building that I was telling you about before, sure, you'll get the view count if someone uploads it. Problem is, you're not going to be alive to celebrate it. Mike Tyson, he came in swinging, but I thought yeah, he had limited room. He had limited ability to be able to get his arm swing. I'm not 100% sure of the correct boxing terminology, but this guy, he had a, he got messed up. He got messed up, but he had, he had such an innocent face at the end of him that as I was watching him give Mike Tyson a hard time, knowing that Tyson was about to punch him in the head because I'd already seen the Twitter feed, I was nervous for him. I was like, dude, stop, you're an idiot. And then, then the camera pans to him with the side of his head bleeding. At the end of it, I go, you know what, respect, because you've got to do it for the views. You've got to do it for the views. This guy, 100%, he's going to be able to go out. I'm sure it's America. He's going to sue for $250 million, isn't he? He's going to be invited onto CNN. <laughs> Maybe not CNN because, you know, CNN's not going to want to celebrate a, a black man beating up a white man like that because it's just not the it's not the narrative they like to go for. Fox will run something, won't they? They love those kind of storylines. I'm pretty sure. I can't say I followed it closely, but it was a, it was impressive to watch. Shout out to Mike Tyson, but also shout out to the bloke who got punched in the head. I appreciate your effort. That's the limit. That's the extent you've got to go to to get your views. If you're not going to get punched in the head by Mike Tyson just to make a popular YouTube video, then your channel doesn't deserve to succeed. That's what I've always said. If you're not threatened by Mike Tyson, then who are you on YouTube? That's the question I pose to you. If you're an up-and-coming up YouTuber, I speak to you like I'm not. I speak to you as though I'm a successful YouTuber. But take my advice. If you're an up-and-coming YouTuber and Mike Tyson hasn't threatened you legally or physically, do we need your channel? The bloke who got punched in the head by Mike Tyson gets it. I'm not sure what his channel's called or whether or not he has one. But if he does, respect. I reckon his subscriber count went up. And my, my, my favorite my favorite footage of the week was that, do you see that bloke get duct taped to his chair on 
at the end of one of the flights. I'm not sure what's going on up in the air. There's some, the air's too thin. People are used to just being down at sea level over the last couple of years that you put them 10 kilometers above sea level and all of a sudden their thinking gets a little bit shaky. They start getting abusive. They start getting aggressive. They start saying things they would never say at sea level. And for whatever reason, mix that with a little bit of alcohol and they think this is the perfect idea to abuse this staff member. And then the staff member was under a whole heap of criticism because he duct taped this guy to the chair. And apparently the guy didn't want to be duct taped to the chair. But it's about the views is what I'm saying. If you're a YouTuber and you haven't duct taped a man to his chair despite him not wanting it to happen, are you committed to YouTube? It's all about the views. And it's just, it's an embarrassing situation to find yourself in being duct taped to a chair because no one wants that to happen, especially when you're being aggressive. I mean, the guy was going on about what he was going to do to another man if he didn't watch his mouth. He was threatening him, he was abusing him, and flash forward 20 seconds, the guy's duct taped to a chair with his mouth shut. It's just embarrassing to find yourself in that predicament. Like, did he think, <laughs> when that plane took off, there was no way that he thought that his life would reach that low. I mean, we all go through the ups and downs that life throws us at, but being duct taped to a chair on a budget airline by an air hostess who clearly isn't happy to be back at work, that's not what you'd expect, is it? And then you just got to try and... <laughs> it's like when you're being silly and you hurt yourself. You're in front of a group of friends, you're being an idiot, then you get a serious injury, you want to cry, but you have to laugh. Because if you cry in that situation, because of the fact you've been a complete dickhead for the last half an hour, and you've had people laughing, you've had people looking at you going, well, what is he doing? He's lost the plot. If you start crying in pain, that's an embarrassment. So the guy duct taped to a chair had the decision to make, what do I do? Well, he just stayed true to his character. He just kept swinging. Metaphorically, when you duct tape to a chair, there's no swinging taking place. People are giving these airline hostesses and hosts a, a really hard time. I say credit to you. I feel as though that should be a rule. There's limited space to move. There's limited ability to be able to restrain a person. I think it's more creditable to have a man duct taped to his chair. That takes more talent, more strength, more ability than, than anything else. A, a lot of people could just talk a man down, could calm him down, give him a bag of peanuts if he's not anaphylactic. Maybe even if he is anaphylactic, give him a bag just because of the fact that that would quieten him down. Don't give him enough to kill him. Give him enough just to swell his throat up a little bit that he can't talk as effectively. Only enough so he can still breathe, though it's wheezy. I don't know the airline that was responsible for that, but I just want to give a personal, a really personal congratulation to the to the flight attendant who, who did the duct taping. And why did they have so much duct tape? Have you seen the back of the chair? It looked as though there was four rolls of it. There was four rolls of duct tape and the guy was still mouthing off. It's commitment. So if you're traveling in the near future, if, you, if you've got your bag packs, your passport ready, you're thinking you're going to go 10K up in the air and act with any form of sanity. Think again. It's dangerous up there. The air is thin. You've been at sea level the last couple of years. The only people who are okay 10K above sea levels are the African distance runners because they've been at training camp and it's only another 5K higher than where they've been. But for us folk who have been at sea level for a long time, please be careful. You've got to be careful because before you know it, Mike Tyson will punch you in the head and you'll be duct taped to a chair. And that's where we're at. That's 2022 for us. What a year. What a year it's been. 
How are we going to look back at this year? Remember when we used to think 2020 was crazy? Mike Tyson punched no one that year. No one got punched by Mike Tyson in 2020. Anyway, that's the beauty of 2022. And it's not just uh, it's not just going out on a world level. This is coming into a this is coming into a family. I have a family gathering on the weekend. A beautiful family gathering celebrating my, my dad's 58th birthday. He had me young. He didn't muck around. Mum was 30. He was 22. Whoopsie, your life's changed. You've got a son. He's done well, though. Good on him. He was an attractive man as well. He's an attractive man, and uh, I, I just think he had so many options as a young man that, you know, he used to bench press 100. He had an attractive mullet. Respected in the 80s. Got a lot of attention by a lot of women. Fast forward the clock, you know, 30 What's that, 35 years? He's still doing well. He's a good-looking man. But we went down there, and uh, I love my family. The Popplestone family, I think their blood runs a little bit hot, and I say that I say that as a compliment to them. I say that as a compliment to them because uh, as my auntie Jolene's my favorite. What happened was, uh, Uncle Mark, don't be offended. Hey, you're my favorite, and you know that's true. You know that's true, all right? Huh? You're the only 50-year-old man I can run around the house and play chasey with. Don't. I'm saying my auntie's the favorite in the sense that uh, her responses to situations just make me laugh. I was sitting there with a with a, a boyfriend of a friend of the family, and my auntie looked across at him. My auntie, who's been in this family for the last, she must be 40, for the last 40 years, was sitting there eating an ice cream. Now, what she didn't understand was the context of what was taking place, but my friend looked across at her, saw that she was eating an ice cream, and said, hey, where, where did they come from? But my auntie didn't realize that he was referring to the ice cream. She just thought my friend was commenting on the fact that my auntie and her family had just arrived to the party and he looked across at them and said, hey, where did they come from? And she piped up and she goes, where did they come from? Where, who the fuck are you? Where did you come from? Who are you? I mean, <laughs> my mate was going, I just wanted to know where you got your ice cream. I just, I just want to know, like, where did that ice cream come from? Because I, she's, she's taken it as though uh, my friend wasn't happy with her presence as the party. He just wanted an ice cream. And so it's interesting. My pop's 81 now as well, and I think he's dealing with a bit of dementia. He's starting to ask a lot of the same questions. And it's, dementia's a funny one, because it only sucks, I think, for everyone else around him. I think for him, I think for anyone with dementia, I don't, don't quote me on this, but it seems to be a pretty good disease to have for yourself. I, I don't I don't say that like I want to get it, but just from the outset, it seems that the only frustration is is for everyone else. The, the reason I say that is because uh, he had five different glasses of red wine all around the house, not because he's an alcoholic, but because the poor bug, he forgot that he had poured the last one. So he's walking into the kitchen, having a sip, walking out to the back patio, having a sip, going into the lounge room, there's another glass having, he's shit-faced, and we're going, hey, it's not even breakfast. Breakfast isn't even ready. Then he's coming up and introducing himself to me and saying, hey, let's jump in the pool. I go, hey, Pop, do you know how to swim? You're just a little man. I don't want you to hurt yourself. He goes, I can swim and kick the shit out of you. I said, whoa, Pop, <laughs> where did that come from? That's the thing. He's always been a confident guy as well. Every now and then he just reminds you that he can kick the shit out of you. He used to be a, uh, I think he was like a, a first down black belt in, in judo. So every now and then he'll just, he'll come out with these strange comments. He'll go, hey, I'm Bill Popplestone. I go, Bill, I'm Tyson Popplestone. I'm your grandson. He goes, I'll kick the shit out of you, you little bitch. I said, one, one second. I'm trying to have a cup of coffee with my family. Don't kick the shit out of me. And that's family for you. 
the popplestone uh the popplestone get together it's always it's always an adventure it's a fun adventure too but ladies and gentlemen that's enough of uh that's enough for me today i hope you've enjoyed this episode of passion for fashion promise this outfit will never happen again based on the fact i reckon when my wife sees it she'll go hey what what is that i leave the house for two hours you dress like bruno mars who are what are you doing i say sweetie i'll do what i want she goes not while you're married to me you won't i'll apologize and give her a cuddle ask for forgiveness and you know see how that plays out all right you uh you beautiful people hey you enjoy the rest of your week have a uh, have a happy what is it today have a happy rest of your tuesday have a happy rest of your your working week i hope you've got plenty of good plans set for for the coming weekend and uh oh yeah i saw you all, i see you all here back uh that didn't make sense did it you want to go out you want to go out clearly i was trying to say i'll see you all here again next week all right bye <music>